What's up, world? It's your boy Trey Cash, KJ, and Beat Up. And you're listening to the first ever episode of the TKB Show. Now, let me reintroduce myself. My name is Trayvon Tiggs. I'm a manager at Eastern Michigan University, serving as a head manager for the women's basketball team. I will be entering my fourth season with the team. Um, my duties as a head manager, I make sure that the equipment is out for practice. I make sure that all the coaches have everything that they need and make sure that the girls' laundry is done. And uh, I make sure that the other managers are on top of everything. And that's a little bit of what I do. Man, my name is KJ Johnson. I go by KJ on the podcast. I am currently located in Beaumont, Texas, working for the Lamar University men's basketball team as a head manager and a student assistant. What I do is kind of like what Trey does over there at Eastern Michigan. You know, I, I do the um, equipment for practice. You know, when we travel, I make I pack all the uniforms, you know, um, travel, um, putting the equipment on the bus, you know, wash the clothes um, and practice, wash uniforms after games and everything. And, you know, I kind of help within the office, too, with, with scheduling and, you know, um, you know, inputting stuff on recruiting profiles and everything. And, you know, just different um, stuff like that that um, helps the program run smoother. And that's enough about me. What about you, Billy? Uh, what's up, y'all? My name is Billy Warrington. I go by B-Dub on the podcast. Um, I am a student assistant for Southwestern Assemblies of God University for their women's basketball team. And my duties are help coach Phillips with what she needs as a right-hand man sometimes. Uh, and to make sure girls are, our girls are in the study hall. Uh, I bring energy to practice and games on the bench. I, I'm the hype man per se, but I'm excited for next season so I can increase my role. But that's about it for me. Man, Billy, that's tough. As a manager, you know, it's one of the toughest jobs in the country, man. You know, with a team, behind a team, we get stuff done. And sometimes it seems to go unnoticed. But, you know, without us managers, there's no team. To be honest, I mean, the role of a manager often goes overlooked because we're just known as, like, quote, unquote, scut monkeys. We, you know, wash, uh, wiping the floors, washing clothes, and, you know, other um, dirty tasks that people don't want to be bothered with, but our profession goes way beyond um, um, what people think we are. So as a manager, I think we serve one of the most important roles in the college basketball game today, not only college basketball, high school basketball, and even professional basketball. And I, it's a lot of fun. Believe it or not, I, I didn't think I'd have this much fun with it, but it's been a huge blessing <clears throat> cutting up with the girls at practice, outside the court, outside of class. And sometimes, like, we we get a little a little talkative in class, but we still pay attention and stuff, but it's all good fun. You know what I just realized? I am the only men's basketball manager on this podcast. I mean, I know there's three of us, but I'm the only one that's worked with a men's basketball program. I don't know why I'm just not realizing that. <laughs> that ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, man, I, um, I truly love what I do. Um, people oftentimes say, like, when they see I'm a manager or ask, what do I do? It, I can sit there and t talk to them all day about it because there's so much that goes on within our program that I do and our other managers, we do 
um, to make the program run like clockwork. And that's, you know, that's the biggest thing, making the program run smoothly. Yeah, man, that's huge. But you ever just walking on campus and somebody stop you like, hey, are you on a basketball team? You got that nice gear on. Like, no, nah, man, I'm a manager. You know, it's it, it's tough, you know, because people just see you as they think you're a basketball player because you got that that nice gear on, man, you know? Yeah. And um and when people ask me, I see um I see people around the um around the campus and they say, oh, I see you on the bench during the games, I see you doing this, I see you doing that. Um, what do you do? Since you don't play, you know, I sit there and conversate with them for a couple of minutes. But um I but yeah, people people realize really know who you are when you actually put yourself out there in this type of position. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Most definitely, you know, just just having the perks to even sit on the bench and, you know, interact with players and coaches at the Division One level and any other levels be, beyond that is just a blessing to even just have the, the honor to travel and visit other nice schools that you never would have visited if you weren't a manager. So I think being a manager is a is one of the hardest jobs to ever have because there's so much that comes with it. But at the end, I believe that it's worth it, you know. So especially at, like, a smaller school, being a manager is huge because if you were at, like, a bigger school, you know, you competing for a spot with 10 or 15 people versus, like, a mid-major low D1 is, like, it's maybe, like, one or two managers. So – it's just, you know, embracing that role and just staying committed to it and just loving what you do, you know? Yeah, and that's the big thing, loving what you do. If you don't love what you do, then you're not going to like being a manager. That's the big thing. I know uh, I want to piggyback on something that uh, Trey had just said. You know, he's bringing out the the lower level and coming from an NAIA D1, man, it's amazing. Dude, I, I can't believe all the player, players I've seen in two seasons are some of the best that I've ever seen on, like, any level. It's crazy. And it just shows that, you know, you don't have to go D1 because it's all about the fit. Yeah. And it's crazy. There's teams in our conference, like Oklahoma City University, you know, they, they're, they're straight hoopers like we are. And they have, they have height and all that. But it's it's pure basketball, and I, that's what I love about you know NAIA because it's the same grit and grind and compassion and competitiveness that I mean I've never seen that on the D one level. But you know, just sitting on the bench and seeing players compete, you know, it shifts your perspective about it. So you're not from the outside looking in; you're on the inside looking in. Yeah. So Billy, I asked you this though for real. This is a legit question. What's up, man? Besides the size of the school and the size of the program, what's the biggest difference you've seen between NIIA and Division One basketball? Man, I, in my opinion from what I personally have gone through the last two seasons is coaching. And I, I will state this for the record, I've never really been around D1 coaches, but from what Coach Phillips has – what she has done for me, bro, is – is nothing but love. And I know that outside uh, the podcast, we were talking about that today with you, KJ. But, you know, Coach Phillips, she 
she's very relational and she emphasizes on it's always bigger than basketball and that I respect that about her because one day, you know, the, the ball's going to stop bouncing. Yeah. And she makes sure at the end of the day that we know that and at the beginning of the day we know that. Yeah. And so I know uh, I'm going to finish up real quick so you can uh, comment, but she – well, man, I had lost my train of thought real quick. She does what she needs to do on the court and then outside the office she's cutting up and whatnot. And granted, she's always busy, but being on a – a small scale she's not tied up like d1 coaches are and from her just having herself an assistant and then a ga like they all function as one unit but even though she's still busy she still takes time to make sure that we're doing all right and if there's anything we can do and she just puts it down and gets hands-on and stuff but like i said i've never seen that from a d1 perspective see and yeah you're good bro uh, um and see I I I know a couple of NIA coaches and like the way you described it, you hit the um, nail on the head. But you know the coaches I've worked with at the Division One level, which I've been, you know, I, I work hand in hand with, of course, our men's coaches. And you know, sometimes I go down the hall and you know go socialize with our women's coaches or whatever. Um, and I'll tell you that for them being Division One coaches and you know coaching and playing in big time places you don't see them, you know, stuck up on themselves or whatever, you know, all the coaches that I work with here um, kind of embrace that family atmosphere and, you know, um, being, um, being and embracing being around each other, you know, doing, doing what they can for you before they can do for themselves. And, you know, what you describe uh, coach Phillips as, uh, which she is a great coach. I love coach Phillips is how, is how our coaches here are uh, are here. You know, you don't see many Division One coaches are like that. And of course, granted, they are tied up most of the time with recruiting, scheduling, um, scouting, and doing all this other stuff. But um, at the same time, they still make that time for you and the players. Um, and so that's that's kind of why I love why I'm here because the coaching staff actually, you know, cares about you and your future and wants to uh, wants the best for you, even though you may not see it. Yeah, and um, I want to add, like, a few more things real quick. Um, oh, my bad. That's on my throat. So, like, even though Sagu is, like, a really small campus, all the coaches interact with each other. And that that's another thing that I love because what we're about is truth and speaking life into each other. Like, um, all of our programs are trying to compete and win titles and, you know, get a ring at the end of the day. But – we still want to speak life and truth to each other and bring everybody together. And Coach Moore, he's our volleyball coach. Every time I see him, he's always interacting with other students or myself. And we talk for 5, 10, 15 minutes and then go on about our day. But then whenever we see each other again, we pick up from where we left off. And we, we had just did our spring football stuff before the semester ended and I had got an opportunity from our head athletic trainer, uh, Mr. Stewart to go out there and help with them and see how things were going and see if I wanted to take this position. And we had just got a new head coach, coach Smith, and I'm out there, you know, handing water bottles to QBs and running backs. And this, this guy just in the middle of practice, just stops what he's doing and conversates with me. Doesn't know me. I don't know him. Gives me a little fist bump. 
I asked him if he needed some water. He said, no, nah, I drink go-go juice, which is his monsters. And, you know, just taking that time out of your day really shows, you know, your character and integrity and what your program is about, like that structure. So that's another thing I love about NAIA is, you know, and I'm sure D1s are like that too, but I haven't been there and I know it's a much larger scale, but being at Sagu, all the coaches interact and all the players interact and whatnot, so on and so forth. And it's amazing, dude. Trey, what you think about it, dog? Um, I mean, I think, I think like in the D1 setting, I think coaches, they, they're able to interact with everybody. I know at the same time, coaches get tied up, but they still make time to do team gatherings and just interact when practice, when practices are over and just like being able to just go inside, you know, one of the coaches' offices and just chat with them. And I think that's huge because you never know, you know, what somebody is going through or how somebody feeling that day. You know, people moves change and people go through stuff every day that we don't know about. So I think, you know, it's huge for coaches just having that door. Just having that door open for anybody to just come in and just chat with them about anything. Yeah, for sure. Man, aside from this topic that we're talking about, because I saw a lot of it today and I saw some of it Saturday. Um, what y'all think about this UConn move back to the Big East, dog? Man, I'm happy that you asked that because I'm a huge UConn fan, man. I've been following you know. UConn. Facts. That's why I asked you. <laughs> Like I've been following since Maya Moore was playing, and you know, yeah. they were Facts. um they were in a the Big East like a while back, you know, like they were dominating mm-hmm. then. So the I think original. for them to get out the AAC, I mean, I think it's good for the the other teams because they'll get a chance to win because UConn has been winning back to back, back to back, and they haven't lost a conference game and I don't know when, but I think it'd be good for um, the Big East to be able to. To compete, because you know, like to beat the best, you got to play the best, and you know, that's what Gino is huge on. So I think it's good for UConn, even though back when they were looking like, at Big East, they did mm-hmm. great things. But it's also good for the teams, the other teams in the Big East to compete against the best. Man, Man I'm gonna tell you, you forgot a whole other spectrum of that. You talk about the women's basketball. Let's talk about the men's basketball <laughs> side of it. <laughs> Facts. Um, they got some competition in the Big East, dog. I mean, with Nova, with Xavier, with Marquette, mm-hmm. Seton Hall, St. John, DePaul, Creighton. Providence, Creighton. Like, you got it's – a, it's a lot of good men's basketball teams that contend for championships every year that come out the Big, the Big East Conference. Huge, huge shakeup. And, you know – UConn didn't have the men's basketball. Really didn't have a adequate season. Like going, I think they're if I'm not mistaken, like three and fifteen in conference. And I mean, mm-hmm. of course, it was kind of a rebuilding year for us. And the only reason I know is because when we were at our conference tournament, I watched them play uh, Pittsburgh. I think it was Pittsburgh. No, it was somebody. I watched them play somebody, um, and I saw their record. It was like three and fifteen, and they didn't. They they didn't do very well this year. And so coming off of a bad season, making a comp, making a move to a bigger conference with more teams, with bigger teams that will uh, that contend for championships. Do you think that really is a good move for for them if they want to get back to that national championship team that they had? 
I think it is. You really so you really think so? Yeah. So so let's backtrack, all right? Mm-hmm. So you had Coach Calhoun. He had his group when he was at UConn. Yeah. And they had won the championship. He retires, and they bring in Kevin Ollie. Yeah, my one of my and, favorite coaches, Kevin Ollie. Oh, oh, I mean, one of like one of my favorite players on the 76ers outside Iguodala and Allen Iverson. Yeah. But besides that, Kevin Ollie won a championship with Shabazz Napier, uh, Boatwright, Jeremy Lamb, and those were still some of Calhoun's players. Yeah. And Kevin Ollie gets his recruits and unfortunately doesn't perform to I, I wouldn't say UConn set well, I would say UConn standards because of past history. And then they don't offer Kevin Ollie a new contract and they eventually fire him. And then they bring in Coach Hurley. Yeah. Now you got Coach Hurley, think, the brother of Coach, what, uh, uh, Dan Hurley? At, yeah, it's Dan, because yeah, Bobby's at, at uh, Arizona State. Uh, Bo- yeah, Dan yeah. Hurley, Bobby so Hurley Dan. at yeah. Um, Arizona State. Yeah, like you yeah. said, my bad. So, I to me, it makes sense. They bring in they bring in him, and then they have a conference change. So, how I see it, it it's a clean slate for UConn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the only reason, I mean – I mean, to be honest, I would rather can I would rather play against teams like University of Houston, East Carolina, Cincinnati than Villanova, Xavier, Seton Hall, Providence. Like, like if if you really want to win a if you really want to win a conference championship and get to that NCAA tournament, make a run in the NCAA tournament, I think the American Conference is the place that they should have stayed. But I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it it might be a lot of logistical things that went behind that decision too. So. And, I don't know. And the uh, American Athletic Conference isn't bad because what Coach Crane had done for Cincy these past few years has been outstanding. Yeah. And even though he left to go to UCLA, I still believe that Cincinnati can still perform to their standards and, you know, go through the roof. And the same thing with U of H. Yeah. And I, I'm not a huge AAC fan, mm-hmm. but just from seeing what U of H has done within the last three years – yeah. Is amazing. This all Kelvin Sampson. This mm-hmm. this shows you what he can do to completely turn that program around. Oh, like even facts. though they they lost some big time players with Armani going to the league and you know his singers Corey Davis, Galen Robinson, his core leaving the team like literally his whole starting five leaving to either graduate or go to play professionally. Mm-hmm. I mean. He he's still they. I mean, first of all, we played them this season, so yeah, we know a lot about U of H. Like we have to do a whole scouting report on them, and like you know, their bench is not bad. You know, the rest of the team is not bad, and you know, um, Coach Sampson is a really good coach, so he can turn nothing into something really quick. And I'm not gonna lie, I slept on U of H last year. Oh, I didn't. I, I, I was, didn't. I knew that. Were, I knew like that Elite Eight run was not a Ooh. surprise to me. I was not I a was surprise. In awe, bro. I was in awe. And I was like, man, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Um that that Elite Eight run was not a surprise. I mean, we played them this season. They um they totally I mean, I hate to say it, but they, they totally dominated us from the start of the game to the finish. I mean, we, we competed with them at the beginning of well, the beginning to the middle of the first half, but like the end of the end of the game, 
um, we just kind of collapsed. You know, they started making shots, getting uh, playing really good defense and, you know, getting the ball inside the paint and working it out like that. So it, it didn't come as a surprise to me that they made the Elite Eight. To be honest, I thought they were going to be in the Final Four as a Cinderella team. I can see that. They really should have won the game against Kentucky, though, in the Elite Eight. But, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. It's college basketball any given day. Yeah, that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. That's why I love it. College basketball is literally the best basketball ever. Yes, sir. Let's speak. Let's let's take, speaking of college basketball. Let's talk about this transfer portal, dog. What Trey? What you think about this transfer portal? I think I looked it up the other day. Nine hundred, literally nine hundred and ten kids in the transfer portal, dog. What what's going on? Man, that's a good question, but I mean, sometimes people don't make the right decisions. Sometimes it's going off the biggest offer you got or, you know, not doing your research. You know, listening to outsiders, not really listening to, you know, coaches that really know like, what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then also you get – and then there's kids that's playing 20 to 30 minutes a game, leading the team in scoring, and they still transfer. So kids get home sick, you know, stuff happens. But at the end of the day, I don't think – Kids are really doing the research and you know finding yeah. the right fit. Yeah, I just looked it up again today. It is nine hundred seventeen, so I went up seven kids from like I think it was Wednesday when I looked. It, not Wednesday, um, Monday when I looked it up. So, yeah, it's a lot of kids. Like nine hundred seventeen. Like that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of kids, dog. <laughs> Facts. Um, like. And the ones I'm looking at just on this little first page, like three of them are transferring from Power Five schools to JUCO schools. So I mean, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it'd be like that for sure. I mean, every everybody's basketball journey is different. Yeah, so. I mean, my thing is, you don't. Don't expect to be a superstar coming into the program your first year when you don't even know your role. Like does does that make sense? Yeah. Because when I played it, when I when I said it in my head, it made sense. Um, when um, when like especially like when you're like a three four star recruit coming out of high school, you know you're the man or whatever. So you go to a college program thinking like I'm gonna start, I'm gonna get playing time, I'm gonna have I'm gonna average at least twenty. But when that doesn't happen, you get dissatisfied. So you want to leave. You get frustrated with the coaching staff. And that's how you end up with 917 kids in the transfer portal. That's it. Yeah, man. And that's true. Also, you got to look at who you're playing behind. You know, it's it's always somebody playing that position, you know, before you even get to college. So – you know, yeah. study their game, know what year they're going to be. You coming into the system, and, you know, like, not all freshmen come in and play, you know. Some kids have to sit a year, and they get mm-hmm. to play that next year. So it's really, you know, how bad like, do you want it? And if you really put in the work outside of practice, because we tend to see, you know, kids, they're okay with going to practice because – Practice is three hours. Oh, I'm tired. Since, but they're not doing anything outside of practice. No, and then yeah. it's like, you know, 
it don't work like that. Like coaches yeah. notice stuff like that. Like when coaches make stuff optional, go. Yeah. That the main reason for that is to see who's going to show up and who and who's really dedicated to the game mm-hmm. and who really love it like they say to do. It's different, yeah. you know, doing the recruiting process versus when you step foot on campus that first day. Like, yeah. Hey, and that's. Go ahead, Trey. My bad. Hey, like, it's going to change, you know, like, coaches are nice and, you know, coach talking good, but that first day. It's all different. <laughs> it's all different. My head coach, Coach Price, he always says, nobody's guaranteed a spot. <laughs> like, anybody's spot can get taken. Like, like what you said, study the player that's playing in front of you, study their game, you know, see what you can do to not only match their level of intensity and in play, but surpass that. Um, because, I mean, it all goes back to the work ethic of that athlete. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're not guaranteed a spot just because you recruited a four-star player. That doesn't – once that once you get to the college level, that's all eliminated. Like, you might get some big-time offers and you might go to a big-time school, but once you sign that letter of intent and you go to that first practice, everything that you did in high school has been eliminated. That's in my opinion. It might, not, it might be different to everybody, but that's, that's in my opinion. So it's, a, it's like you're starting over. It's like you're, you're starting over. Clean slate. You don't, you, you don't average 20, 30, 40 points like you did in high school anymore. Most definitely, man. You know, it's coming out of high school, transitioning over to the college game. It's people quicker than you, faster than you, shoot better than you, dribble better than you. Like, it's different. So, like, that's when you really got to work. Every, to be honest, everybody who plays at the Division One level was the man in high school. <laughs> like, er, er, like that you can't go to a different level um, of basketball. It was a faster speed, you know, more intense style of play, and expect to stand out from everybody else when you're just an average high school player who got a Division One um, opportunity. Which, you know, that's in my opinion, though. These are all my opinions. <laughs> yeah. How I see it, it, to me, it's a trust thing. How – are you trusting the process? Are you trusting yourself? Are you trusting what the coach is telling you in the recruitment? Elaborate, so, Billy. Elaborate yeah. on that. Elaborate yeah. on that. So, I mean, how you're talking about a coach talking good to you and stuff, but yeah. on that first day of practice, everything changes. Yeah. As an athlete, knowing – you're committing yourself from the high school level to the college level. Yeah. You should know what you're getting yourself into before you sign that letter of intent. And, and to me as an athlete, loyalty is everything. All right. That just shows that you have true passion for the game. You're a true competitor. You know what I'm saying? And so, what's up? And back to when you said you should know what you're getting into. That goes um, back to, like, when you're on an official visit and, you know, the coach might do an on-court evaluation with the the prospect and um, the players on the team, you know, playing pickup. But they're, uh, you know, playing a full-court pickup or whatever. Um, That all goes to, like, if you're playing that game or whatever and you're playing pickup with those players and those coaches are evaluating you, that's your experience before you get to that level. Like, that's that's your way. Like, say I'm on an official visit to, to like, Baylor or something. And um, and Coach Drew comes to me and says, hey, 
I got like ten guys on the court who wants to play pickup. Hey, get your get your shoes on, go out there and play with them. And so you know, I'm playing. I'm high school player hooping with college dudes, and so that should be your, you know, that should be my experience from the um, before I get to the college level. Like mm-hmm. you should know it before you, and that's usually before they commit too. It's not even before they, it's just before they commit. If you really bout it or not, yeah, that's and, the thing. And granted, things, think life, life does happen, and there's certain circumstances where, say, something happens at home, like, you know, something serious happens at home, and you're two, three states away, and you just feel like you should be home with your family, and. I, I'm going to direct the conversation a little bit. I'm going to direct it away because I read an article today from, about the St. Louis Cardinals had traded one of their players to Oakland, Stephen Piscotti, and it just happened at the right time because his mother was dealing with an illness, and sadly she passed away. But fr- from his quote saying it was the perfect timing for the situation so he wouldn't be so far away from home, he could be there with his family and stuff like that. But back to what we're talking about, you know, that same thing can happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, like, you should know what you're getting yourself into. And if you're a true competitor, you, you'll you trust the process. You'll trust your coach. You'll trust yourself. And granted, that first day, everything changes. It's a clean slate. You're a collegiate athlete now. You know, all your stats are at zero. But – in my opinion, it's the trust thing. Yeah, yeah, but not only that, man. On these visits, just don't talk to the the coaching staff and the players. Go talk to the trainer. Go talk to the managers. Go talk to the Dobo video coordinators. You know, just just figure out the feel of the whole program and if that environment is for you. Not only yeah. can you just talk to the head coach and the assistant coaches. Like talk to everybody just to see you know how everybody is and if that environment is the right fit for you. Because in all sure. honesty, you spend more time with those trainers than you do with your coaching staff. Like when you're in treatments, you, you, you're sitting there, the trainers working on you, you're sitting there t- um, talking. And, you know, when you're on the road, you go treatments on the road and the trainers, you know, hotel room, you're, you get, you're talking to them, you know, you spend more time with those, you know, the support staff, like even as managers, you spend more time with those managers than you do with your coaching staff. So it's better to get, like, you know, on good terms with, you know, your support staff um, as as well as your coaching staff. But that's, uh, but that's going to go over a lot of people's heads. We should stop talking about that. <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, that's, but it's a whole lot of truth. Yeah. Very. Now that we didn't talk about the transfer portal, Let's go on and talk about how the game has impacted our lives. KJ, could you tell us a little more about that? Well, in all honesty, basketball has been a part of my life since I was probably about five, maybe six years old. Um, started playing, you know, um, played every year from for AU Select, you know, how that goes. Then got to middle school, of course, played middle school ball, high school ball, and uh, – you know, basketball has been a major part of my life. You know, my family, we we're all basketball family until we all got to high school. I'm the really I'm the only one that really took off with it. But um, you know, um 
going become wanting to be, be a coach and at first I did not want to coach college ball I, I, li- I liked football I liked track so you know I wanted to be a triple threat I wanted to coach football basketball and track when I was uh, at the high school level and so you know once I got some had happened I don't know what happened I, I guess I, I, uh, I saw a dream in the middle of the night and some told me it's like, hey, you should be, you should, you're pretty, you'll be a pretty good college basketball coach. Why not pursue it? So I was like, okay, good, good. And so, you know, that's what I did. Kind of took off with it. Um, and so, me becoming, a, and I really like did not want to play college ball. So at first, I was kind of like, become a college coach, without playing college ball, and then that kind of disqualified me for some positions. But then I later realized I was like, hey. I could be a manager or, you know, a student assistant or something just to work with the program and get involved and learn more about not on not only the game, but the NCAA system, the Division One system. And so, you know, basketball is literally all I do um, now. I mean, of course, I'm in school and, you know, I'm, I'm making good grades and I'm doing all this other stuff in the community. But basketball um, is um, is all I do. Like. To be honest, if you would have told me three years ago that I would be in the position I am right now, I would have laughed at you and walked away because I would not know, like, me being in this, you know, type of um, authority like I am, right, like like I am now. So the ball has changed my life in a number of ways. Number one, I wouldn't be sitting where I'm sitting literally right now if it wasn't for the game of basketball. Two, I wouldn't have the passion to do, um, to do, you know, to exceed the standard because not only has basketball taught me about basketball, basketball has taught me about life, like work ethic, exceeding the standard of everything that you do. Like that is the main thing. And three, you know, to um, fall in love with something that I do, that I've been doing. Like uh, I love basketball like it's my wife, to be honest. Like, I don't have a girlfriend or anything. Basketball, is, um, basketball fills the void of all that because, I mean, I don't um, – because it is literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. So basketball is a major part of my life. You can ask anybody that I know that knows me. When they think of me, they think of basketball. And so, you know, the ball has changed my life. Really won't go into much more detail, but – just know basketball has a significant impact and has a vital role in what I do and um, the way I live. Good, good. That's good. That's good to hear that, KJ. Billy. Appreciate it, dog. That's good stuff, good stuff. Billy, so what about you? Oh, man. It, it's been a journey, bro, and I thank God for it. So I started playing in fifth grade. Uh, we have little dribblers down here. It's like the little rec league. And I met some guys from school. We play, we were on the same team, and it was a brotherhood thing. And it just took off from there. Played middle school ball, played some high school ball. And I I love where I was playing at in Coons, which is located in southeast Texas. Had a great coach in Dwayne Jubert and Ke- uh, Tremaine Hancock and Keita Hancock, Toby Thrasher. And I just had some great coaches that – you know, installed the competitive competitive nature in myself. But at the same time, I was loving the game for the wrong reasons. I was just concerned about getting doves and whatnot. It, it was that maturity factor at that age, you know. 
But I graduated high school in 2013, took me five years to get to college. And looking back on it, it was a God thing. I needed I needed that time off to reevaluate myself. How am I going to do this? And I never played college ball. I wanted to, but it just never happened. And it's crazy. I was in, I was in school. I was at Saigu, and I was just walking through the offices, and I wandered off into Coach Phillips' room, and her office was open. I was asking her how practice was and how they were doing, and she said, come join scout team. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And it took off from there. She asked me if I wanted to film their away games before the season started. And then when the season started, I can sit on the bench and learn and then, like, hang out at practice and learn and, you know, slowly increasing me into a student assistant role. And it's it's a blessing from God because now being called to ministry and – have, I can have effective ministry inside the game. So now I'm coaching the game for the right reasons to make an impact on players' lives and not only you students' lives because that's what the last two years with Coach Phillips have been, just speaking life and the truth in the people. And that's the that that's God showing me the coach that I need to be. And I didn't – I used to tell myself, you can't coach college basketball because you weren't a college player. Now, looking back on it, that's a bunch of nonsense. I'm just like, dude, what are you telling yourself? You're tearing yourself down and not building yourself up. And y'all know I love Coach Yo, hashtag no ceilings. And finally, I can say I busted through that ceiling I put on myself. So, it like KJ said, you know, you love the game. It's, it's, it's not life, but, it, you know, it's a way of life. You know what I'm saying? lifestyle it's a lifestyle yeah let's go with that it's a lifestyle and i'm i'm thankful for it i'm blessed i'm blessed beyond all measure to develop relationships with not only youtube but other coaches and aspiring coaches out of state and i can finally give back to the cute the coots community and the uh AA in AAU with the other residents of southeast texas man that's that's just just facts you know God has been so gracious to me in my life um, because coming from a small community, I come from a small two-way school um, with the city um, of, like, population 139. Shout out Chilton, Texas. Um, you you would think coming from that small environment, um, nobody will make it out. Nobody will make it big. Nobody would do that because of what people uh, – what the, you know, the – the the bind the the bondages of what people have told told us, you know, people um, you have superstar athletes not only just basketball but football and track that um that had that has that haven't made it out of Chilton because of what people have told them, like you're not you're not you're not since you come from Chilton you're not gonna get recruited out of high school you're not gonna do this you're not gonna do that, you know he's been so gracious to allow me to relocate. Um, into a different part of the state and, you know, meet some good people, work for a great program and do some great things to where that not only am I, uh, am I known nationally like y'all too, but, um, but I am, you know, I'm doing, and I'm loving what I do, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I have the chance to like, you know, invest in people's lives and not only like the players that we have, but, you know, 
my old teammates, you know, kids that are younger than I am that's graduated from Chilton say, hey, there is a way to make it out of there. You just have to want to do it. And so that's what that's what it is. But enough about me. Trey, come on, tell me about you. How's it impacted your life, big dog? Man, I started playing, I think I was maybe five or six. I have a twin yeah. sister, so my sister and I, we played like on a rec team or whatever. And it just took off from there. Um, she never wanted to go to practices. Like, once I started getting into, like, organized basketball, I always played for, like, my elementary school. And I played, like, on a AAU basketball team. But it wasn't really, like, structured. So I say about, like, sixth grade, I was I was playing in playoffs for, like, my elementary school. And I had a good game against, like, one of the, like, top little schools, like, in my area. And one of the guys that I played against, his dad came up to me after the game and asked me, you know, um, do you play for, like, an AU team or anything right now? I'm like, no, I don't. And he was like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll pick you up on Friday and I'm going to take you down to this practice. And, you know, and I'm like, okay. Like, I know I played good that game, but I wasn't, you know, looking forward to playing for an actual team like, right away. And I did that. Um, the team was called F-A-B-E. And uh, I played for about two years with, like, some really great people. Um, Miles Bridges was a part of that team. Um, Jair Grayer, his dad was um, his dad was NBA vet. He's now at TCU. So I played like, with the best and, you know, just playing with the best and against the best. You know, that's where the competitive nature come from. And after that, like, I ended up going on to play in high school. Uh, like, my first year, like, my freshman year, uh, I made the varsity team, but I didn't want to play varsity because I I wanted to get no playing time, so I ended up going on and play JV. Yeah. And uh, sophomore year, I made varsity, but I ended up going back down in JV because I knew like that I wasn't gonna play. But I ended up getting moved back up for playoffs. Still didn't play. Came back my junior year. Um, my cousin was the coach. I mean, I played like a few minutes, but barely played, mainly, like, set the bench. And, you know, it, it impacted me. Like, I feel like I didn't have, like, no confidence in myself anymore. So I just used that, you know, to work harder and things like that. I already knew that I didn't want to go on a college show. I still competed, like, and play hard and practices. And um, the game just changed my life. Like, if I didn't pick up a basketball, like, ain't no telling what I'd be doing right now. I'd probably be, like, a game head or something, but the game has opened so many doors for me, and I've met great people from the game as I got older. And you know, I'm happy that you know my mom got got me into some organized basketball and playing because I met great people through the game of basketball. So I'm I'm very fortunate for that because without that, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. Like I said, I'd probably be like a like a game head or something like that. I don't know, but the game has just been great to me. So I just want to pay it forward. Most definitely, man. Like yeah. my um I could have told you like the part about when you say you you're grateful that your mama let you pick up a basketball man. I'm grateful that my mama let me do what I do now. Because she could have easily said like no you don't need to do that. It's gonna distract you from schoolwork. You know, you try to get this degree we want to. Uh, we got to make good grades, and that's only going to distract you. Nah, 
She didn't she didn't do any of that. She just like, hey, do what you gotta do, son. And I was yeah, like, I, uh, my bad, Cage. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, you good. I was but, done. Yeah. I just wanted to add this since you know, Trey talking about his mom, you talking about yours. I I I talked to my mom and dad. I sent well, I really sent my dad a text the other day and I just told him, I said, Hey, I appreciate you and mom letting me do what I do, supporting me because in my family, my mom, my dad, and my sister, they're all, they were all military and my dad's reserved and my sister's active duty and my mom was discharged. So they're the, they're the military group. And I'm over here just being a coach doing my own thing. And the fact that they still love me and support me means more than they'll ever know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the, that's a big thing. Your, um, your parents and other family members supporting you while you're doing, you know, these big things or whatever, um, that's a vital part of your development as a person, but that's mm-hmm. that's that's another story for another day. I just want to encourage all of us that soak it up every day. Yeah, that's the big and thing. To, yeah, be a sponge. Be a sponge. Everything that you do, soak it up. Yeah, and to the listeners, listen to this. That goes for you too, man. Wherever you're at, soak it up, man. Most definitely. Most definitely. Our first episode, we want to thank everyone for taking the time out on a busy day to listen. We really appreciate it. We'll see y'all next week. Most definitely. Y'all take it easy, dog. Don't don't work too hard this week.